Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is the founder and owner of Soho Table Hockey. Now in its sixth year, the boutique company makes handcrafted state-of-the-art table hockey games that are featured in tournaments throughout North America, including New York, Montreal, Toronto, Chicago, and Detroit. Next month, on Saturday, June 8th at 11 a.m., Soho Table Hockey is hosting the TJ Rugg Cup 50th Anniversary Table Hockey Tournament at Carragher's Pub and Restaurant in New York City. The TJ Rugg Cup was originally created by the hockey maven himself, Stan Fischler, and Soho Hockey Table is thrilled to be able to honor him and continue the proud tradition. It is a thrill to welcome the man who created Soho Table Hockey, John Fiol, to 540 AM Sports Talk New York. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me, Mark and AJ. It's a real pleasure to be on the show. You know, before we get to how and why you started Soho Table Hockey, let's talk a little bit about the history of table hockey. Can you tell our audience what role Donald H. Monroe Sr. from Toronto played in the creation of the first tabletop hockey game? Sure thing. Uh, Donald Monroe created table hockey in 1932, and uh, he made a, a game for his family, and then uh, it confined it out to Eaton's, and the rest was history. It just so also happens that in 1932, uh, Stan Fischler was born, the same year that table hockey was started. And we're lucky enough to honor Stan and his uh, 50th year anniversary of his TJ Rugg tournament uh, this coming June the 8th at Carragher's. And, uh, but uh, it all started with Don Monroe back in 1932. So cool that there's a, a nice little symmetry there with, with uh, the Maven and, and the tabletop hockey game. So tabletop hockey became a staple of Canadian boyhood. Um, typically, there were gifts found under the Christmas tree from the 1930s into the late 1980s. The most widely sold game in North America from 1963 to 1988 was the Coleco Eagle S-slot pattern game. What is so important about the S-slot pattern when it comes to tabletop hockey? Well, the S-slot game was first created by Eagle in 1963, and it was under the Stanley Cup uh, hockey name. And after Eagle was purchased by Coleco in 1968, it became the most sold table hockey game in North America. Uh, they had some uh, series they called the City Series with um, – Boston versus New York and and uh, uh, Philadelphia and all the original six teams as well. And uh, it was uh, the staple for, for hockey. Uh, what I did was the old games only had one-eighth inch masonite uh, tables with uh, rods that were made of of uh, uh, steel that was very easily bend, bending. Easily those rods bend. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or, or used the, to bend. Yeah. Or, or the, car, the, yeah, the wood yeah. would get all chopped right, up. You right. would be pushing so hard, right? So, so let me ask so, you a question. You know, before we get into how you've now upgraded the, this game, you know, what was your connection to the game as a kid? Well, I used to play, uh, of all things, a Monroe Bobby Hall table hockey game that my father bought for us out of Bargain Town in Far Rockaway. And I played it as a kid uh, until it uh, just about wore out. And what mostly happened is, you know, 
the word table hockey is really a misnomer <laughs> because we mostly played on the floor on rugs. Right. And that's where the danger came in because you could easily step on the surface and the rest was history because the games were only had one-eighth inch surfaces. But uh, that was the first game I played on, and uh, uh, it was uh, uh, something that uh, uh, I never shook for the rest of my life, the joy of uh, playing table hockey and the creativity uh, that, uh, that you experience when you, when you play the game. Interesting, you know, because we also stream over the internet. Uh, uh, we, I just got a message that uh, Leo Kosil, you know, said that he has one of your games and their masterpieces, and we're going to talk a little bit about that because I also have one of his games, and they are works of art. And it's interesting because over ten years of doing the show, AJ and I have had many people talking about games from their youth and how they've improved them. Whether it be the founders of companies such as Stratomatic, right. who continues right to to you know grow, whether it be uh, you know a an app for the phone. Or or, or the game just changing a little bit. Um, we just had a couple of weeks ago out of the park baseball. Right. Who, Ele- electric football. Electric football is, as well. Um, so what made you want to get into the business? Uh, you know, going back to your youth and a game that you loved, what made you want to get into the tabletop hockey business? Well, table hockey, I, I got into it after having, um, I first got into table hockey in 2008 when I stumbled across the New York City Table Hockey uh, Association run by John Power. And uh, I was fortunate to play on these great old Eagle Coleco games, uh, but we had to uh, take the games and put leveling systems underneath the surfaces so that the puck wouldn't skip over the the uneven slots and bounce off the the game. And after uh, years of playing in those games, I finally had my first tournament in 2012 and made my first game and I was greatly helped by Kenny Dubois probably the greatest cable hockey player out there helped me make the games and uh, I I, uh, had the tournament and the games were very well received and uh, I didn't go into it to, to make games but when everybody was giving me such positive feedback and ordering games right after the tournament it just uh, took off from there, and uh, I haven't stopped since. So you started telling us about some of the improvements you made on, uh, in the game. And you started with the rods. Tell us more uh, about what's different from the childhood game to a Soho tabletop hockey game. Well, the, the first part would be the surface itself. Uh, my surfaces are five-eighths of an inch thick as opposed to the original one-eighth inch Masonite games that they used to have in tabletop hockey. I also made unbendable high tensile strength rods that are always perfectly cylindrical. Uh, that was always a problem in the old days because once you, you got a, a bent rod, uh, you'd never be able to straighten that out perfectly again. And then I put it on a micro perforated surface that allows the air under the puck. And, and I also put energy absorbing walls Using neoprene, much like a pool table, on the on the uh, the dasher walls, so that the puck would not skip off the surface, and would also give you a perfect bounce off the walls as well, so that you could use the walls for passing and uh, making plays uh, along that as well. So, all of that I put into a uh, a frame of exotic wood. I've used woods from coco bolo to zebra wood to uh, African Paduke, uh, black walnuts, 
uh, bird's eye maple. So I've made these games essentially uh, on a pedestal of these beautiful woods, but they play like tournament level games. And um, um, uh, it's, it's all a labor of love at the end of the day, but the games play as differently as uh, looking at the old NHL where they only had wooden sticks and no masks and helmets to the current modern day game where you have all the speed and, and beauty that you have right now in the game. And that's the best analogy I could say, the difference between my games and the, uh, the old classic tabletop games from the 70s and 80s. So in your game, the puck doesn't go flying off to the other room every no, now and got, then. It's got plexiglass, yeah. you know, uh, around it. Uh, yeah. so you got, like, boards. So, you know, it's also interesting because you, when you speak to you and, and about the game or you look at your games, the, the passion comes through. But over and above you know, making the game and, and tournament play. You also donate games to schools and after-school programs with two goals in mind. Can you share with our audience what those goals are? Well, I, I love giving games to schools and watching kids just fall in love with the game. And it's all part of trying to get kids unplugged. Right now, I find so many kids are lost in video games and just the screen itself. And when the kids get behind the games and start playing and turning and twisting rods and whatever they do, uh, they create themselves. It's not like they can push a button and get this superpower that you can in a video game. But uh, everything is, is real. Uh, you have the emotion of winning and losing right in front of you. And what it does to the kids is just amazing. And I've been fortunate to uh, donate games to many schools and after-school programs uh, up in Canada and also here in the United States, uh, like ice hockey in Harlem and uh, some of the uh, local schools here. And uh, we've had great success with the schools and, and the teachers as well who, uh, who rave about uh, uh, the kids uh, loving the games and interacting finally with each other uh, when uh, they uh, play the game because they have to stand across from each other and actually look in each other's eyes and and uh, and and do something. So uh, I'm just thrilled at the success of the programs in the schools. You know, and and I can speak firsthand uh, as one of those schools that you actually have donated was to my daughter, and she teaches a, a nest class, which also includes children with autism in the classroom. Some of those children, you know, with severe autism, you know, don't interact with other kids. They they sometimes don't look other kids in the eyes. However, you know, and, and you've gone to the school and you've seen what this game has done, and you've also um, donated some of these games to a school with children with autism up in Canada. What do you find when you go and watch these classes with these children with autism? What goes on? Well, what goes on is that the kids are immediately excited when they, when they twist the rods and knock the puck and, and, and pass the puck and shoot the puck and, or defend and they look up and they, they see their classmate right across from them. And, uh, you know, a lot of these kids, they, they just don't have that, that head-to-head, one-on-one kind of uh, competition uh, with today's video games. So, uh, you know, I'm part of the what they call unplugged movement. Uh, that is, at this point, only a small uh, whisper, but I believe in time will be a, a large roar and that uh, a lot of people are going to be joining on the bandwagon 
of, uh, of having uh, interactive uh, 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 sports games like cable hockey for kids and weaning them off the video games uh, uh, where uh, they are detached and alienated uh, from other kids. And uh, table hockey brings people together, and that's why I love it. So as I, I remember some of the games, there were some bells and whistles you could buy afterward, like, you know, puck drop and, and things. Right, the, one I, the, had, the yeah. one I had had the scoreboard. So, like the, yeah. and, and, and thinking about it as a kid, it, it really didn't look like no, a, but, 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 it was, but it was it was cardboard yeah, that right. you folded into four, and then on top of it was a plastic thing, and, and then you could hear the puck going, you know, boom, boom, through right, the and Z and then drop right. out the center so, ice. Right. So what, what, are there any bells and whistles like that on, on your sets? Are there add-ons, or is there a particular <laughs> basic game you say, this is it because it's such a perfect game, let's leave it as is? Well, you know, I am working on those additional bells and whistles, uh, potentially a puck dropper, but I'm working on right now an electronic scoreboard as well uh, that that we can institute. But uh, as far as, uh, you know, the, the bells and whistles were puck droppers. They used to have things like uh, roller pucks and magnetic pucks. I'm working on a game that's going to have some gears to do a roller puck game as well. That was one of the other bells and whistles that, that they used to introduce. So uh, on that end, uh, I am uh, going to be introducing those things. I've also just introduced a new game that's a, a longer game, uh, a real tournament-level game that's 42 inches. I'm calling it the 5342, and um, we're going to be playing it uh, on June the 8th at Carragher's as well as the uh, uh, classic S-Lot game. Uh, so, uh, but uh, that's my latest bells and whistles. But uh, uh, as far as uh, puck droppers, it's in the works. Well, one of the other things, which is pretty cool, back in the day, we could only get the generic metal, you know, New York or whatever the team was, and, and just the generic, the, the same face on all the players. There are websites where you can actually buy. The actual face, like at home, I have the 79 Rangers versus the 94 Rangers and also the entire, you know, cast of Slapshot. Have you found that people are, you know, want specific players? Some of them want all-star. You know, what have you found with, with the, the different players being available to add to your game? Well, there's a whole world out there of table hockey, and, and guys are making decals for the players, uh, and they, they put them on. Uh, just the standard flat player, uh, and I've been uh, working on some of those decals and have since made a, a vinyl decal. They used to be all be uh, paper, but um, uh, you know, the, 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 there's a whole world of people that have played this game for years and 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 love it. And and what happened was in 1988, the company that had purchased Eagle. And then was uh, the, the big monster out there was Coleco, which stood for the Connecticut Leather Company. They got real ambitious and tried to um, compete with uh, what is now the largest company in the world, Apple, and they created their own computer called the Atom Computer. And in 1988, they went bust, uh, taking with it uh, the table hockey uh, portfolio as well. So table hockey went dormant for years. Uh, in North America, and it's now kind of making its its way back. Uh, but uh, in many ways, it never left. And there's a whole universe out there of people that create players and and pucks and and all kinds of things. Uh, 
uh, because of their love and attachment to table hockey. And with the, the growing man cave phenomenon, I, I think there's <laughs> going to be an, another growth in the game yeah. as well. Um, we mentioned in the open the TJ Rugg Cup, 50th anniversary tabletop hockey tournament at Carrickers Pub, and I told AJ that yeah. we definitely have to go and watch this. Tell us a little bit about uh, TJ Rugg and what Stan Fischl's involvement has been over the past 50 years of the tournament, and how has it grown? Well, Stan Fischler used to have uh, the biggest table hockey tournaments uh, that started in 1969 out of his apartment on 110th Street. And back then he used to have a lot of the old literary types uh, that used to always come. Marv Albert was also (laughs) one of the players there. Uh, And um, uh, from there it grew to the hotels. In 1971 he had a really big tournament at the uh, Martha Washington Hotel on 23rd Street. We had another tournament at the Statler Hilton the following year, and then at the uh, Peninsula. Uh, and then thereafter, he decided to, uh, to shut it all down because, as Stan says, it became more labor than love because the game started breaking down and there was just a, a lot of uh, upkeep and maintenance with everything. Uh, and, uh, but um, uh, the, uh, uh, Stan Fischler has always been synonymous with table hockey and uh, used to hand out this T.J. Rug Cup, which was actually his wife Shirley's Russian Samovar. And he's going to be handing out the same cup uh, on June the 8th to the winner, uh, along with the cash prize. Uh, but uh, without Stan, table hockey wouldn't have its legs today. And we're thrilled that he's, uh, he's back in it and he's going to be emceeing the, uh, the tournament uh, on June the 8th. AJ, Ryan, and I most likely will be there. I have a feeling we're going to take a road trip into the city yeah. to, to see it because it is phenomenal. How can people find out more about it? How can they get tickets? How can they get there? If you go on to the uh, Soho Table Hockey website, you'll see a tournament section. Just go on the drop-down menu. You can register right there. It's only $45 to play, uh, and uh, you can. we're going to be starting uh, the doors open at 10, the tournament starts at 11, and around 5 o'clock or so, Stan should be handing out the uh, T.J. Rugg Cup, and uh, it, we're expecting some NHL folks to be there. We haven't got uh, full confirmation yet, so I don't want to drop names right now, but uh, we're looking at some Ranger players, uh, uh, former Ranger players showing up, and potentially some Islander players as well. Uh, but um, we'll posting all that stuff on the website uh, as the day gets uh, draws closer. John, you know how much I, I love talking to you, and, uh, <laughs> and and John and my friendship is been inspired by basically a little metal, you know, 1970 <laughs> Ranger piece from one of those games it was on my okay. backpack, and John sits like four seats away from me at the guard. He pointed to it. He said, "1970." He knew which game which it was. came from, and then okay. we just started wow. talking. And I don't think we wow. saw a minute of that game that night. We basically <laughs> talked tabletop hockey the whole night. John, always a pleasure talking to you. I will see you soon.